a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. 3D printing meets sexuality and forget all that flesh is the future of women's fantasies digital erotica. What about hacking into a threesome? All of this talk is uh, our sex tech with our sex tech expert coming up after 10:15. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Time to answer some questions, uh, but before I do that, just a reminder, two more sleeps until our big event. We are celebrating 20 years on the air. That's every night, well, Monday to Friday for the last 20 years, uh, talking about sexuality and relationships. And we are celebrating with a big party and a live broadcast in front of a studio audience. It's by invitation only. We have like maybe four spots left to give away. So if you are interested and would like to go, uh, just text me, tell me why you'd like to go, and we'll put your name into uh, our draw. We've got great things happening that night uh, besides our broadcast, which will be a little bit different because it'll be uh, Paris Mansory interviewing me. So I will be the interviewee for a change with uh, our audience also asking questions if they'd like. Uh, but before we have our show, we're going to have a big to do. We've got uh, a whole uh, bunch of performances set up for you. Stephen Voice, Melissa Plett, and Dolly Blonde will be performing. Dan Laxer will be emceeing and we'll, we'll be playing Dirty Minds for prizes. We'll have a couple of exploration or sexploration booths where you can ask lots of questions, especially to our kink panel and uh, sex toys. World-renowned artist Eric Waugh will do a, a live painting, which I asked him to do one that's a little more on the erotic side, uh, which will then go up uh, for option, uh, option auction. Uh, we have a dessert reception provided by cookanddate.com. We have De beautiful decorations by Pop and Balloons. Uh, we've got a beautiful cake from Les Delices La Frenet. We've got beer from Peroni, uh, Peroni Nastro Azzurro beer, this high-end Italian beer, uh, which I know a lot of people can't wait to taste. Uh, plus, we've got all kinds of prizes uh, to give away. Uh, we've got raffle prizes, prizes for Dirty Minds. Uh, we've got sex toys to give away. Uh, we have a gift bag for everybody who comes to the event. So it'll be fun, a lot of fun. So if you'd like to go, let me know, 514-800. Let me get to a couple of questions here. My boyfriend never liked the idea of me talking to my exes, but I did it anyway. The more serious the relationship got, the more he hated the idea. At one point, he asked me not to do it, and I made the mistake of continuing it even though he asked me not to. Due to this, we have trust issues. He always tells me he can't take my word. How can I regain his trust? Telling him that I won't do it again won't work because I previously failed. So just saying so isn't going to be enough, but your behavior has to show it. So complete transparency is important. Look, for some people, they don't mind. You know, you're talking to an ex. It's okay. They're your friends. It's, it's for some people, uh, they're okay with it. But when your partner's not okay with it, you have to decide what's more important to you. Uh, you want your partner to feel secure in the relationship. So uh, part of that is not lying to your partner about what you're doing, especially when they express 
they express to you that, that they're very uncomfortable with you uh, maintaining a relationship with your ex. So to, it takes time to regain trust, but you're going to have to show him. So either show him that you've deleted your ex's contacts, for example, that you are no longer, uh, that you unfriended him on Facebook, that uh, his phone number is no longer in your phone, um, and things like that. So you're going to have to show it through, uh, through behaviors. That's the most important thing. Hi, Dr. Lori. Can anal sex cause a rupture of the internal organs within the anus? There was a case of a man who had a light bulb unbroken inserted in his anus. He went to emergency to have it removed. Could he be injured? He could be injured if the light bulb breaks. You have no idea how many things people will put into the rectum, unfortunately, uh, the dangerous things, things that could cause, that could get lodged if they go too far up could end up in the stomach. Like it's not, uh, it, it doesn't just stay there. It can get sucked in. And, uh, and if the object is very big, well, it requires surgery to remove it. I remember a doctor, an emergency room doctor at a conference showing us slides of things they've removed from rectums, things that had perforated, things that had gone into the, uh, you know, the, the stomach cavity and things like that. So, of course, it's dangerous. There are sex toys that are specifically made for anal play. Use those. Don't stick up anything that anything else in there that isn't made for that. So uh, there are sex toys, and, and the sex toys that, that are there have a base. In other words, it can't just get swallowed up in there. It has a base. You don't want, you know, the sphincter muscle is very strong. So if you put something in there and it, 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 it squeezes around it, it'll suck it in and you'll have a hard time getting it out. So you want to make sure that whatever goes in there has um, a base. There you go. <laughs> Hi, love you. Helping me open new doors. Uh, what new doors? Uh, 514-800, if you have uh, any questions that you'd like me to answer, would love to, uh, to hear from you. Uh, let's see. Married for 25 years. Our sex life is non-existent. Is this normal? Uh, look, normal is a question of uh, perspective, okay? So let's say the two of you um, decide that you're happy together. You Neither of you want sex. Neither of you is uncomfortable. You have got other things going on in your relationship and you're both okay with it. Then it's normal for you. That's your normal. Um, statistically, by the way, one in four couples are sexless, which is uh, quite a lot. So you are definitely not alone. But if one of you is uh, frustrated with this situation, then you really, really need to get uh, to get some help. And there are ways to restart, to reignite and restart the sexuality. I know a lot of people feel after many years of, of let's say, not having sex that it's almost like a, a whole new thing. It's awkward. They don't know where to begin uh, and all of that. And I actually have a, a whole chapter de like dedicated to that in my book, uh, The Sex Bible for People Over 50. So really a book for people who have been uh, in long-term relationships and may find themselves in this situation. So sometimes you need information. Like we, I would need to know like what happened? Why did it go sexless? What, 
what when did it stop at which at what point and whose decision was it and what was going on in their life and was there medication and w- involved and w- so there's many many factors that go into why uh, couples are um, are sexless and and it's worth looking into and telling your partner look I love you. We've been together this long. I want to have a sexual marriage. I want to have a sexual relationship. Let's work on it. How can we make this happen? Let's go get help to see if it's if it's a possibility. And uh, a therapist can certainly help you uh, through that process. Hi, I listen to your show almost three nights a week, driving to go pick up my dad from the hospital. He does dialysis three times a week. Thank you. No, thank you for... Uh, for listening to us. Really appreciate it. If you want to be entered into our drop, please provide your name as well. Coming up, 3D printing meets sexuality. What the hell are people printing on their 3D printers at home? From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. A couple of texts to uh, share before we get to Dr. Jason Behrman. Dr. Lloyd, I listen to your program every night, and I'm very interested in the possibility of winning an entry for two to your Friday night event. I'm going on my first date with another female. I'm heterosexual, but realize that maybe all my relationships have been failures because I'm not as compatible with men as I might be with a woman. I'm now reaching out to another woman. This might be the answer to my relationship challenges. We are going out for an early dinner on Friday, Friday, and I'm looking for something interesting to do for the balance of the evening. Your event would be perfect for a first-time date with another woman. I hope you will consider me as one of your participants, uh, Christine. Thank you. And Paula says, Hi, Dr. Lori. Love your show. Question, have you ever heard of fish skin being used in the construction of artificial vaginas intended for transgendered women? Could you confirm that this is true for sex if th- that this is true sex tech in the making so I, I see um, Paula you sent me a link I, I cannot open it right now right here uh, but from what I know the a vagina from a male to a female is constructed using the scrotal skin the penile skin all of that I've never up to this point anyway ever heard of using using uh, fish skin. That sounds a little fishy to me. I don't know. What about you, Jason? Well, have you heard I, of this? I, I don't think it would be possible because you would have an immune response against the fish skin. Right. Your body recognizes things that are different from itself and it would have an immune response. So you would have to do some pretty interesting manipulation of this tissue in order to make it compatible with a human being. Right. And, and, and it, this... it seems overly complicated. Like, why are you making this? And opens the whole a door to a whole uh, a bunch of jokes about fish smelling. Oh, well. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I'll leave that. <clears throat> yeah, leave that. Uh, all right, we've got a couple of uh, issues to cover with Dr. Jason Behrman. He's a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. He is our sex tag guru expert here, and every a month he finds. Something to scare us with somewhere <laughs> along the line, at least one of these things that he's going to talk about. Uh, but let's talk about 3D printing. And that's been around for a while now. Some people even own these 3D printers. Yeah. Making guns, for example, mm-hmm. 3D you know, they can print up guns, guns. Yeah. that work, which is crazy to me. Uh, but how is it being used in sexuality? 
Well, before we begin, I would like to say uh, a little surprise. Uh, tonight marks an interesting anniversary for us. It's, oh. It marks uh, two years that we've been doing sex tech together hey, on Passion. Yay. So then, and wonderful. Yeah. Yay. And by the way, you can meet Jason uh, on Friday evening. He'll be wearing a badge that says Jason with with the fact that he's the, our sex tech uh, expert. And you can just bombard him with questions. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not bashful in any way. No, so. that's for sure. And I love meeting people. So, <laughs> so yeah, with 3D printers, like you said, um, th- this has kind of come out in the market in the 2000s. And um, uh, people have been using it to develop a whole bunch of things. So it's quite revolutionary. Um, it's still at an early stage, but you could see where the technology is going. And it enables anybody to pretty much manufacture stuff in your own house. That's crazy. Which is kind of revolutionary if you think about it. And time and time again. Whenever I say there's a new technology that's come out on the market, one of the first things human beings do with it is something sexual. And, you know, you'll have to give us other examples of that. Oh, okay. Well, like, for example, like this, what I'm going to describe here today is part of something called the maker movement in the tech sector. So with all these new technologies that have come out now, it makes it easy for everyday people to build some pretty high tech goods even like consumer goods without having to be like an electrical engineer or some kind of like computer software um expert which i don't get because like for example making a uh, putting together a gun like aren't there like inside tons of different pieces and like I, i don't understand how you well a lot of these designs what you could do is um they're freely available online and easily shared and wow. you just it's 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 a it's a file it's just like anything else and you just upload it and tell the printer to print it just like you would print and it prints a up all the different pieces and you it put will, the pieces together yes and there would be like a step-by-step wow. ikea kind of guide like stick this into here and like that <laughs> snap that and so yeah this um it raises a lot of questions Absolutely. because one person really caused controversy by saying hey you could use this to build weapons right and quite often Often a lot of the the components are plastic, so it makes it kind of hard to identify. But with the technology now, uh, you could even get uh, things printed in metal. So um, oh. the wedding ring that I'm wearing, my my husband is an expert in some of these technologies, and we had one of the first um, consumer goods you can order through 3D printing with metal online. Oh and, my goodness! And so yeah, he designed our wedding rings and everything. We got it in the mail. <laughs> so yeah, we had it uh, printed at like some other facility that had a oh, printer wow. for three uh, okay. for a uh, metal. So that's really cool. So what's going on now? Well, there are different sites that have sprung up. One is uh, pretty interesting. I recommend uh, listeners to go check it out. It's called Mm makerlove.com. So named after the maker movement. And they have designs like that you could download or you can even upload your own designs of different kinds of sex toys that you could print, like the casing and the structure at your own home. So you can make all these different kind of 3D interesting sex toys and they could be custom made. You could uh, um, adjust the dimensions and make something very personal for yourself. You could even put your name on it or whatever. (laughs) So another thing is... How much do those cost, really? Like if you had to order... Uh, one that was like made to measure kind of thing with your name on it and just send it off to some 3D printing place. I don't think it would be too expensive. Really? It wouldn't be several hundred dollars. And if you have the machine at home, um, it's it's not prohibitively expensive. Right. What does one of those machines cost, you know? Oh my gosh, my husband got his MakerBot and it was a few thousand dollars. MakerBot, okay. Yeah, that was like one of the first ones that came out on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, uh, another thing is, is like when you open up 
up the platform to the world and lets people like share ideas on what they can build, you get some of the craziest, wackiest, most creative ideas that come out there. And so this is totally exemplary of this and the maker movement. So of these 3D like sex toys, like what do you envision would be there on this platform? Dildos? Yeah, like you know, like the conventional yeah, things, right? Uh, easy stuff, like you know, penis-shaped things. Uh, well, people get a lot more creative than that. <laughs> and you could find one that's called the Hello Pussycat. And it is um, a, a shape of Hello Kitty. Of course. Yeah. There's another one called um, the Bieber. Mm-hmm. So you can get a bust of Justin Bieber and do whatever you like with it. Okay. There's another one called the Freaky Freud as well. Okay. So if you want to get freaky with Freud in some kind of strange <laughs> sexual encounter... You can do that. They have the designs out there, and you could print out uh, Freud, and you could... Uh, what, uh, his a head? Uh, a what? bust of a Freud. Bust? Mm-hmm. What, with movable anything? like? Well, you could insert uh, the vibrator apparatus, which you could buy separately. It's okay. kind of like a, a metal, a large metal jelly bean. Okay. And that's pretty simple, and that goes into the structure that would make it vibrate. And then, like well... Freud's mouth like, no, what no. are you talking about uh, the whole bust of freud his head oh my so, goodness okay. this is uh, something else that maybe um an emergency room somewhere in the world will be oh, extracting yes. oh, in yes. the future who oh, knows my. Okay. so if there's any doctors listening um beware <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> when you pull it out don't don't be freaked that's right don't be freaked by freaky freud that's right so that's that's kind of fun but um it's it's not just all uh fun and games so there was one story that uh, caught my eye where the person used Used, uh, the technology to make uh, a model that's now being used in uh, sex education in France. So there was a person called um, o- Odile Philoid, uh, and she printed um, a 3D, like anatomically correct, like full-size anatomical model of the clitoris. Right. Is, is that the first person who did that? Because I've been trying to get my hands on that. Well, there you go. Like the, mm-hmm. the this is uh, you could probably get the designs uh, online. You could probably go to some other platform and have it printed out, there and it will go. be mailed to you. There you go. And so it's cool because before that we only have these like you know grainy images or these I find them kind of primitive like cartoon drawings. Absolutely, uh, yes. And um, I I. I I find they're inappropriate in today's day and age. We could do a lot better. And uh, indeed, uh, on several past episodes on Passion, I described um, how we're using technology to drastically advance sex, sex education. So this is something Which cool. Which is a good thing. That's yes, a really definitely good thing. a yeah. good thing. And so uh, this person made headlines by uh, the first person to make this model of a clitoris. And it shows um, the internal and external structures so that people have a better idea of like what this is. Because it's not like this phallic structure that you could kind of hold or kind of well, see better. It's not just that a lot of people just think the clitoris is the, the, the little one nub thing, the nub on, that uh. sticks out and didn't, doesn't don't realize that it has the shaft, it has the it wishbone has structure, wishbone structure. Yeah. it has bulbs on either side. Like that's the structure that then becomes the male genitals. You know, yes. uh, so we have to understand that we're very, we're actually more similar than we are different structurally. It's just that mm-hmm. they, these are the same tissues that develop uh, uh, differently. Yeah, so this was like a major step forward because now you can actually get a, like you could hold it in your hand and get like, I, I don't know, how would you describe it? Um, not necessarily like more empathy, but it's something that is more realistic and you can actually have a better understanding of fundamental aspects of the human body. Right. Well, I use the images to show, uh, to just to educate, you know, as a form of education, especially uh, for women. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about uh, digital erotica. 
no idea what that is. Not about fingers. Digital, I'm assuming, means, you know, some kind of techie thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dr. Jason Behrman is here. He's a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence uh, Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. That's a mouthful. Uh, and he is our sex tech guru, answering your questions and telling us all about what's new in the sex tech industry with that. It has to do with, uh, of course, with sexuality. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Sex and technology. Once a month, we focus on this very issue with Dr. Jason Behrman, researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute. Uh, well, we've been talking about 3D printing and printing up sexuality things. You wanted to add one last thing people are printing. Yeah. So um, on a previous episode on Passion, I was describing how there's a lack of innovation in condoms mm -hmm. until uh, recently. And so there's been um, some new innovations that have been coming out because the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation put a lot of money on the table to advance uh, innovation on uh, contraceptives and right. condoms to help uh, um, control the HIV AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And so one team uh, from a university in Australia got a uh, some of the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates uh, grant uh, money to develop a, a new condom that's not made out of latex, but out of something called a hydrogel. And mm. so um, it's polymer. So it's like a plastic based material that has water in, in, in I guess, like interchelated into it. Okay. And the substance is very soft and it feels kind of flesh like. And so it's very pleasant to use. But what's interesting about this material is that they're starting to use it as a material that you could 3D print. So it's opening up the door where you can literally print condoms anywhere wow. in the world and you can make them custom made as well. So they wow. always fit perfectly and you could get access to them everywhere. So there's never an excuse. That's amazing. So that is really um, a, a break step forward. And of course, as the 3D printers become more affordable and people have access to them, I'm just going to change again the face of retail. Like mm -hmm. it, it's going to have an effect, like a ripple effect in different areas. Uh, so, what's uh, digital erotica? What are you talking about here? And w women and women's fantasies and digital erotica. Well, what is some of like the major innovations we have in like adult entertainment? It's quite a lot of like you know VR, virtual stuff, reality right. stuff, and augmented reality stuff, and other kinds of connected devices or some kind of augmented experience with pornography. But that's only part of the picture. Like, why don't we think outside of the box and try to reinvent so adults? Yes. <laughs> yes. Once again, I got the joke right on the on, on the knob right there. Uh -huh. Good. OK, so um, let's like think outside of the box and ask us ourselves is like, can we have innovation in adult entertainment or something that is, is very pleasant that is not necessarily hardcore porn or something mm -hmm. that is, is visual? Right. And lo and behold, there are some intrepid um, sex tech entrepreneurs that are women, and they are pushing a, a growing industry known as female-focused erotica. And uh, they're reinventing this. And there's new um, platforms that have come out there that provide like a, a, a different kind of... Uh, they're quite nice, I must say, but they have like a different platform where you could either read erotica or have kind of interactive... Storytelling also, Storytelling yeah. and audio experiences. They have apps for that. Like there's a couple mm -hmm. of apps that are available for that. So we'll talk about those, mm -hmm. but they're also internet platforms. So one is called Quinn, spelled Q-U-I-N-N, -N, and the other one is Dipsia. Yes, but, I so. have information about that. 
Awesome. I met, okay. Yes, that's right. Okay, so Quinn is located at tryquinn.com, and it is launched by Carolyn uh, Spiegel. And um, she wanted to make something that was an alternative to porn that is very image heavy and made with, uh, I guess, men in mind. I guess that would be the focus. And so um, she has a home to audio and text based porn with no visual content platform. So, so you listen to it oh, just and listening. you read stuff and there's um, a different collection of work that, that is available and you could pick and choose based on your mood or different kinds of whatever ideas uh, are going on in your head that you would like to accentuate uh, okay. a certain evening. Okay. And so um, Spiegel describes Quinn as a much less gross, more fun porn hub for women. Okay. Much <laughs> less gross. Yes. <laughs> so it's she describes it as, you know, a very an adult website, but you go to it and I must say pretty chic the website has no imagery whatsoever there's right. not even banner ads for sexual enhancement pills or any kind of thing in right. sight it's like nothing so it's um it's kind of um, like a platform where you can either contribute to it or consume the content on it so users can upload your own submissions so it, whether it be text like or different kinds of erotic mm-hmm. stories that you um record yourself some people record themselves in um adult situations hmm. and you could like listen in you know oh, and have wow. that kind of like secret fantasy going on And uh, they have stories that range from approximately three to 30 minutes. So half of the site's content is made by people like you and me. So if you have a little kink out there and you have a good idea in your head and you want to share that with people, um, you can share that on the Internet. And you could probably do this anonymously, so don't worry about it. (laughs) And then the other half of the content on the website is by professional writers and actors. So uh, that's of a pretty high quality. But the user user made stuff, it's it's Female erotica is, is, I have to say, is booming. Like the industry now is pretty big and uh, tomorrow night it's interesting you bring this up because tomorrow night we're, we have a, a swingers panel in studio but one of the uh, oh, panelists you know, <laughs> one of the panelists is uh, an erotica writer oh nice as yeah, well so uh, and she's been doing this for, for years now you know and, and the demand is there for erotic reading listen years ago when I was a teenager or what have you we had Harlequin romances that was as as erotic as you were going to get, but they were pretty steamy little short novels uh, that certainly, you know, stimulated Mm -hmm. women. And and all you have to do is look just a few years back at the, uh, the the huge hit of 50 shades of gray, which was just writing, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't the best, it was pretty horrible writing, but, but the erotic content got a lot of women going it was appealing there was a market for it and you know erotica has been um, a very important genre of expression uh, artistic and creative expression also in the gay community because way back in the day um um gay pornography per se it was like illegal in many jurisdictions Mm. so you could not take a picture of like men in an adult context and so one workaround was to just write stories and you had freedom of expression Mm -hmm. and that was like you know your human right so you were allowed to write whatever kind of smut you wanted and uh, that became like a a cornerstone of gay sexuality and gay expression i guess uh, back in the day before pornography really became accepted i guess you could say and also as as uh, 
accessible. You know, before mm-hmm. that, we had the hustler stories and the mm-hmm. play, you know, the Playboy, what, the, the, the body magazines, the bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah but but on, in Playboy magazine mm-hmm. and in in uh, Penthouse Penthouse Forum, that's mm-hmm. what I. Yeah. And what was that? That those were the stories, and people were often joking, say, "Oh no, I I look at it for the stories," but the women were actually reading those stories. Was it written for women in Penthouse, or was it written for guys? I, I think it was written for guys, but the because it was. Uh, in fantasy and mm-hmm. it was in that format it yeah. was more appealing to women I interesting think. yeah I, I, women were reading them all, all over actually one of our textures says just checked out the website looks nice excited to explore and Dipsia is another one that uh, I'd like to hear about because they actually sent me information I, I meant to get around to uh, interviewing them but now that we have you here uh, and that <laughs> is at dipsiastories.com Okay. So it's an audio porn startup that is now valued at $17 million. Whoa! Yeah, so think about that, people. Whoa! If you can be innovative in the sex tech space, you can make some cash. You can make some cash. All right, coming up, I want to talk about, this is the scary part of the show, of sex tech, Uh, more hacking. Imagine uh, hacking into a uh, threesome. Find out about that. Uh, 1.5 million people possibly affected. Uh, Jason Behrman, Dr. Jason Behrman, will discuss this uh, with us, our sex tech guy. This is Passion on CJAD 800. It's our sex tech uh, segment of the month, this uh, right now, and Dr. Jason Behrman is here. He's a researcher at the Montreal Artificial Intelligence Ethics Institute, and he's always talking to us about really weird stuff. Uh, Hacking into a threesome? What the hell? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Please, explain. On on many uh, past episodes on Passion, I've been explaining to the public to be careful about how you use dating apps. Um, Quite often people put too much information. They share way too much data and way too much information on these apps. Um, There's uh, different kinds of romance scams that are being executed on these uh, dating platforms. Yes, yes. Um, I raised the issue that the the, the American government uh, saw the sale of Grinder to a Chinese company as a national security risk. So remember that was a past episode. Uh-huh. And so, well, there's another issue that I want to raise now, which is surprise. Um, these apps quite often are made by you know technology entrepreneurs, and they could be really good at building an awesome platform, but they might not necessarily be a cybersecurity expert. So you got to keep that in mind. And so there's been a wave That's lately true. of people finding that um, different kinds of dating apps are not that secure and they can be easily hacked. So there was a Jewish dating app called J Crush, a conservative dating app called Donald Daters, <laughs> Coffee Meets Bagel, and also there was the Ashley Madison hack. That yes, also, yes, so all of these were hack, hacked yeah. and they had a data breach. Well, there was another one. It was not hacked, but it, um, there are different kinds of companies that specialize in cybersecurity out there, and they will test different apps b- behind the curtain without you knowing and identify security risks. So there's a popular app out there for threesomes. So if you want to hook oh. up with another person, okay. it's called ThreeFun, um, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, yeah, three fun. The number three, uh, F-U-N. And uh, there was um, a cybersecurity uh, company called Pentest Partners, and they did an evaluation of this app, and they were able to hack in and readily get the information of uh, 1.5 million. million people using this three-way app. Whoa. So 1.5 million kingsters yeah. <laughs> could have been outed. 
could have been outed. And so they were able to find personal information, their chat data, private photos, real-time location data oh my uh, of the app's 1.5 million user, uh, users. They were able to see their uh, their birth dates, sexual orientation, photos, whatever, and even if, they, if it was all set to private. So there was a fundamental Whoa. flaw in the structure of the app that the developers just were unaware of or they didn't think of. And it took like a cybersecurity expert to look into it and they were able to find that fundamental flaw. Shouldn't everybody do that? Like I know somebody who gets hired to, to hack yeah. into that. That's exactly his job. He, yes. he hack you know, he has to find a way in mm -hmm. to like some of the most secure, apparently secure sites. And he always manages to find a way in. Like, shouldn't we be hiring like shouldn't this be like a, a university degree like uh, you know getting a bachelor's degree in hacking because we need these cyber security people to check all these things before we use them shouldn't we have that yeah so they're called white hat hackers which means uh the good good people uh black hat hackers are the bad ones they're the ones that uh, oh cause goodness. all the troubles okay. so so they are there's a whole group of people they even have conferences around the world it's a it's a reputable profession now and uh definitely the finance industry governments etc mm -hmm. etc they will hire white hat hackers um, to um, do an evaluation of the cybersecurity of different uh, digital platforms. Right. And yeah, so I think it's people an do this. It's, this is a great new career uh, mm -hmm. choice for people. It's Absolutely. like, especially people who love computers and, and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff and like hacking, like doing that for a living. Can you imagine? Sometimes they have charitable events, kind of like what we were doing at Queer Tech, for mm -hmm. example, um, and they will get a bunch of people together and uh, they will try to hack some kind of important infrastructure or that of like a charity or something like that. And they will find these flaws so that um, these companies or not-for-profits that have limited resources can know like what kind of cybersecurity risks are out there and have it corrected before it's a big problem free of charge. And I think that these apps and these things should have like a stamp that says mm -hmm. been checked by uh, cybersecurity experts and and like kind of certified secure like an ISO certification yeah, there has to be some kind of certification because people are downloading all kinds of apps and putting mm -hmm. in all kinds of information mm -hmm. and pictures and, and things like that and thinking we don't think we think oh it must be secure must be you know and then what we could hear happen? you yeah right what could happen is that what, what's somebody going to do with that information it's still the wild wild west um, a lot of these technologies, they're developed so fast and they are deployed throughout the market so quickly. We haven't done a full analysis uh, on, on their weaknesses. Fast. And yeah. also we have not developed the regulations we need in order to protect consumers like you and me. Right. Absolutely. There's a question for you, Jason. Apparently, smart TVs are able to spy on you even when turned off. Is that an actual fact? Uh, I would also like to know if there's a way to avoid having Siri tune into your conversations or turning her off. And what exactly does putting your iPhone on airplane mode do? And can you still receive emails, texts, and calls on such a mode? Actually, airplane mode, you can't receive anything. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I know about airplane uh, mode. M minimal, uh, minimal functionality. Right. I, I often have my phone on, on that setting. On airplane and, mode? Or like super saver mode because I just can't stand all the distractions and whatnot. Right, right, right. I don't care. So does so, your TV spy on you? Well, there's a lot of uh, smart devices, they're called, that people are bringing into their home left, right, and center where like, you know, your fridge can talk to your air conditioner, it could talk to your television, <laughs> and all these kind of things. Um, once again, this is a new yeah, technology. Full disclosure, I love my Alexa. I'm sure you do. 
but uh, with the smart TVs and all these other connected devices, there are very, very few re uh, regulations that protect consumers because the technology is so new. And it's raising a lot of questions as to uh, what data they are uh, accumulating on people who have these smart devices. Mm -hmm. And also, they do become a security risk as well. They can be hacked. So be careful. And I but know they're not these, watching us. Well, with these new technologies, uh, these new TVs, for example, they are watching um, what TV shows you spend the most time on, uh, when you navigate away, if you do not like a, a commercial, or there's other information. So they're collecting data. There's lots of data saying. on you. And some people are saying that they could have, uh, some of them, they have a camera that's connected into them, and they could look out into um, the viewer space. And we don't know, like, okay, are they watching you? Is this data being collected? A lot of this is still, it's not very transparent, let's just say. And the same thing with uh, the Alexa Siri. smart devices. Okay. Yeah, there's you could Google this. There are many cases now where a lot of people are raising eyebrows where a lot of these devices uh, sometimes listen in on you and <laughs> sometimes even when you're having sex and stuff like that. And oh this has God. been documented <laughs> and some people have raised alarm bells here. And yeah, so oh, it's something man. for you to think about. Like, don't just jump on this bandwagon of buying all these new widgets and other kinds of uh, consumer electronics without fully understanding how best to use them to protect your private life. All right, I'll, I'll, I promise I will look into that. Wow, always interesting things, always things to learn when we have our sex tech guru here. You'll meet him on Friday night, Dr. Jason Behrman. Thank you so much. My pleasure, always so much fun and happy two year anniversary Thanks. of our sex tech. Yes, and happy 20th anniversary to us also. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, by the way, our winners tonight, Tom, Christine, Teresa. Keep, uh, we will get in touch with you. Your names will be on our guest list, but we will get in touch with you give you all uh, the details. Thank you so much to our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Hey, boy, tap your feet. Come on, just tap your feet.